Turn to Luke chapter 12. <clears throat> Luke chapter 12. Begin with verse 13. Luke chapter 12. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast many goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. President Nixon once told the account of a conversation that he had with Winston Churchill's son. He was telling the son that he admired the Prime Minister's great ability to give extemporaneous speeches. Well, Churchill's son, he said, yeah, I've watched my father work for hours preparing those extemporaneous speeches. Well, Jesus told a lot of parables about being prepared, making that same point. And when you listen to the, the speeches of uh, Prime Minister Churchill, he was certainly a wonderful speech giver. And he was known for his extemporaneous speeches. Well, come to find out, they weren't so extemporaneous. He was a well-prepared speech giver. But preparation is necessary for success in this life, but it's absolutely necessary for success in the next life. So it's always best to be prepared, particularly when the Lord returns. Notice what Paul warned, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. He said, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So we all need to be prepared, but are we prepared? The title of the sermon this afternoon is Living for Today... Dying tomorrow. There was once a very wealthy man who lived for today and as if he would never die. He had so much earthly wealth that he needed to tear down his barns and he needed to build bigger barns. And his actions caused God to say, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required. Now, did he pay attention? Of course he didn't. The love for wealth and all things physical was not peculiar to the rich fool. Notice some things that it has done over the years. The love for money caused Judas to betray the Lord. It caused Ananias and Sapphira to lie to God. 
It caused Achan to steal at Jericho, causing all of Israel to suffer defeat at Ai. It caused the rich young ruler to reject Christ and to go away sorrowfully. It caused the money changers to turn the house of God into a den of thieves. It caused Elisha's servant to lie and to be turned into a leper. So the parable of the rich fool teaches a much needed lesson that we need to hear in the world and in our society in general. As we are encouraged to determine whether we're only living for today, I want us to look at this parable for just a few moments. And I want us to start with the environment surrounding the telling of the parable. A little background, as, you, uh, as it were. Like every time that Jesus taught publicly, something happened. The Jewish leaders tried to catch Him up in something. It's almost as if they were always trying to make an assault upon the Christ. They were trying to catch Him in a trap, trying to trick Him into something. Now when we look at the environment or the context of chapter 12, it is actually set in chapter 11. Jesus had been to the home of a certain Pharisee. And He went there to eat a meal. Now they had a problem with Jesus. Uh, Luke 11, 37 through 38, because Jesus did not wash His hands before He ate. That was a big problem. It wasn't a big problem because they were so uh, hygienic. They weren't hygienic at all. They weren't the most hygienic people in the world. It was because of their traditions. They had turned this uh, into some type of a religious tradition. And so when Jesus rebuked the Pharisee for his focus on the physical, he hurt one of the lawyer's feelings. And so... A certain lawyer instructed the Lord, uh, such a rebuke affected the lawyers as well, Luke eleven forty five. And of course, when we're talking about lawyers, we're talking about the old Jewish law, right? The law under which they lived. That's the kind of lawyer we're talking about. And so since Jesus did not involve himself in the wrangling of the Jewish leaders, he struck to the heart of the problem. And so as he continued his speech, his enemies tried to trap him by something he said, Luke 11, 53 and 54. And so with that, the environment of chapter 12 was very typical when he was around others. So when we look at the teachings of Jesus, normally they were twofold. Jesus uh, would tear down and pluck up and he would build up and plant. Okay, that's kind of what his point was. So chapter 12 is one that reveals the problems of spiritual disregard and its consequences. So in the midst of this assault, Jesus admonished the listener. Now let's look at a series of nine admonishments that he lists in chapter 12. First of all, he warned against the leaven of the Pharisees. He warned against the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. Your heart can become so hardened, you might not be able to come back to God. He warned against covetousness. When one is so obsessed with earthly gain, you can forget about God. He warned against unnecessary worry. 
let's place our trust in God and let's do what's right. He warned against the failure to watch. He said, in essence, we have to be prepared and have our bags packed, right? But also pack the correct things in your luggage. He warned against unfaithfulness. That was a very important thing, right? God has entrusted us with the gospel and we have to use it properly. He warned against uh, spiritual division. One must be able to leave the traditions of the past and commit to Christ. He warned against ignoring the signs of the time. Those contemporary with Jesus should have seen that He was the Messiah. He had all the signs and they were missing them completely. He warned against failing to make things right in one's life and to be prepared to stand in judgment. It has always been true. All people will stand before Christ. So when that happens, there will be no excuses. Now, one of the wisest admonitions of the chapter is often easily overlooked. And we see it in the very first of our passage. On the heels of a personal conflict, Jesus tells the parable. One brother comes to Jesus and he says, Tell my brother, split the inheritance. Well, Jesus says, Man, what, what, am I to, what am I to you on that? Am I a divider? Do I need to get into your personal business? Can't you handle that? What do we learn from that? Sometimes the leaders of the church, they don't need to get into the personal matters and the frivolous matters of church members. If they can't handle it on their own, that might just be their problem, right? Everything does not need to be a big deal. And Jesus shows us that there, right? Sometimes we need to stay out of that. We do not always need to get into every little personal conflict. And we need to explain that to those people. Jesus explained that, didn't He? What's that to me? See to it yourself, right? And so, it's easy to get caught up into petty problems and the focus is taken off of what really matters. To seek and to save that which is lost. Luke 19.10 So we see kind of the environment of what is going on behind the scenes. Now let's notice the essence or the meaning of the parable. What did the master want his audience to take home with them? What was the reason? What was the reason behind the parable? Really, he was pointing to the meaning of life, wasn't he? He said in Luke 12, 15, a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Why did Christ call the rich man a fool? Well, it is, of course, directly related to the reason of the parable. He was a fool because he lacked good judgment in this life, right? He was focusing on the wrong things. He was focusing on physical, 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 right? Nothing wrong with having things physically, Nothing wrong with being great in business. He was a great farmer. He was good in business. More power to him. But he did not recognize 
who had blessed him with that, right? He was not living with the right destination in mind. He packed his bags, but he packed the wrong things. There's a story told of a king who had a court jester. The court jester, uh, they call him a joker, right? The court jester, he would come before him and sometimes he would say some things that were very, uh, that was very funny and, and uh, uh, sometimes very wise and sometimes he would say the stupidest things. And he came forward one time and he said something that was very foolish and the king gave him a staff and he said, listen, I'm going to give this staff to you. When you come across someone more foolish than you, you give them that staff. And so it went on year after year after year and the king found himself on his deathbed and he called all of his courtiers to him and his family and everyone's by his side. And so the jester comes to him and said, Oh king, can I ask you a question? He said, Sure. He said, All these trips you've gone to and you've gone out of country and you've gone to see all of uh, all of your people and you've had people go before you and prepare the way and tell them you're coming and uh, he said uh, as you're going on this journey because the king had told him said, I'm getting ready to go on a great journey and I'm not going to come back I won't be coming back this way you're going to see me for the last time he said you're going on this great journey and you've prepared for all these other journeys what have you done in preparation for this journey and he said he shook his head and he said, sadly, I haven't done anything to prepare for it. He said, here's this staff. I found someone more foolish than myself. He didn't pack anything for the journey. He didn't prepare for the journey. Now, in this life, he had made all kinds of preparations. But he didn't prepare for the great journey, right? The rich fool was a fool because he lacked good judgment. And he had encouraged himself with all that he had required when in reality he wasn't prepared for the journey he was about to take into eternity. And for all those reasons he was a fool. Christ asked this, Matthew 16, 26, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Well, he would give anything he lays hands on, right? To give anything. The very life of Solomon shows the reaction one should have in regard to the vanities of this world. Solomon searched for the answers to the purpose of life. And he was in a very unique position to discover that answer, wasn't he? He was the wisest man who ever lived, second only to Jesus. He was wealthy enough to carry out the experiment of Ecclesiastes. He left no stone unturned in his quest for the meaning of life. Notice the things he tried. Ecclesiastes 1.3, he tried labor. Verse 13, he uh, devoted himself to wisdom. He experienced everything he could experience in this life. Verse 14, he gave his life to pleasure. Chapter 2, verse 1. He tried laughter. Chapter 2, verse 2. He tried wine, verse 3. He tried great works, 4 through 6. He had servants to carry out his every wish, verse 7. He was the richest man of his time, verse 8. He just simply became great and surpassed all who had ever come before him, verse 9. And after all of that, notice what he said in verse 15 of chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes. He concluded, as it happeneth 
to the fools, so it happeneth even to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart that this also is vanity. Vanity means emptiness. Void. Doesn't mean anything. Verse 17, he just simply hated his life. There was no fulfillment in carrying with him the wrong luggage for the eternal journey. I imagine when the rich fool was called into judgment, he felt the same way Solomon felt, but Solomon came to realize it before he went on his journey. He recognized it in time. What can we learn from this great parable? What, what is the explanation of the parable of the rich fool? Well, let's notice this. We must be able to apply the principles of this passage to our lives or it is of no use to us, right? So let's notice some of these principles. Well, we need to focus on the preaching of Jesus, right? We need to listen to Him. Now His sermon was designed to rebuke covetousness, to rebuke the love of this world. And that's what John talked about. Covetousness is, is a literal desire to always have more, but not in a positive way. More of the things we shouldn't have. Now, in this particular context, it's used to talk about material things. Again, nothing wrong with material things, but only when we allow it to separate us from God. And when we begin to trust in riches, we always leave God behind. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Matthew nineteen twenty three, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, the apostle of love, John, he cautioned against loving the world. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Let's read that. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that are in the world... And then he gives the three avenues through which Satan attacks people. He says... The, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's not of the Father, that's of the world. He said the world's going to pass away. The lust thereof is going to pass away. But he that doeth the will of the Father abideth forever. So we've got to be concerned with laying up our treasures in heaven. And Jesus talked about that in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. He says... Don't lay up your treasures on earth. He said it's going to rust. It's going to be corrupted. The moths are going to eat it. It's going to be destroyed. Peter talked about that. He said this world's going to come to end. It's going to be burned up. Everything that's in it's going to be burned up. Jesus went on to say, lay up your treasures in heaven. Moths won't eat it. Rust won't get to it. Thieves won't break in and get it. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we have to be diligent in making what is most important to us the same thing that is most important to God. I don't think there's a more tragic mistake than when we lose focus on the true definition of this life. The problem that existed then is the problem that exists now. So what, what is the application for us now? The rich fool only saw his self-worth. That was his problem. Twelve times in verses 17 through 19, 
he mentioned the reasons for his success. And those 12 times was I, my, and thine. Each time. He never gave God the credit. And like those who came before him, the rich fool forgot that all good gifts come from God. James 1.17 reminds us of Nebuchadnezzar. Look at this great Babylon that I have created by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. Daniel 4.30 And we understand that Nebuchadnezzar paid a price for that. But fortunately for Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel 4.32, God taught him a lesson. He learned it the hard way. He said, and finally learned that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giving it, giving it, giveth it to whomever he will. Now, he had to lose his mind until seven times passed over, whatever that was, seven months, seven years, whatever. Uh, but uh, he, he finally came back to himself and he said this, Daniel 4.34, I blessed the Most High and I praised and honored Him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion and His kingdom is from generation to generation. And so we have to understand, God is in control. and We have to recognize that. And so that's the application. God is in control of all things. We need to pack accordingly. Our souls will be required by God. Hebrews writer warned us there's a judgment day coming. No one is going to uh, miss it. Amos warned, prepare to meet thy God, Amos 4.12. If we fail to heed the preaching, it's going to cost us, right? It's going to cost us. It's going to cost us soul. We don't want that. But if we pack accordingly and we head in the right direction, we'll get to where we want to go. And then the sting of death is removed, 1 Corinthians 15. Each person has to examine himself. We can do that. That's not hard. And when we do that, we can make sure that we are going in the right direction and we're ready for the proper, uh, we're ready for the journey and we are properly prepared. We may not be given extemporaneous speeches. It may sound like it, but we'll be prepared to give them. If you have need to answer the Lord's invitation, if you need to come back through repentance, confession, and prayer, do that as we stand and as we sing. I've got affection, goodness.